presenting a really big deal for young drivers. Get a great price on the car cover you need with our 20% sign-up discount. Just search Super Value Insurance and get a great quote now. This car insurance is underwritten by AXA Insurance DAC. Super Value Financial Services DAC trading as Super Value Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to another episode of the Disney vs. Disney Debates, the podcast where we're going to figure out exactly what is the best Disney film ever made and why. With me today are two returning debaters here to debate The Lion King vs. The Sword in the Stone. Now, continuing to support the, her pick, The Lion King, we have none other than... Stacky Hobbs, hello. Are we going by Stacky today? Oh, Stacky today, I'm feeling okay. it. Yeah, Stacky today, wonderful. Now, I genuinely felt like I've been mispronouncing it this whole time. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Stacky, to misrepresent you. Look, I do usually go by Stacy, sometimes Stacky, and it's had a return recently. <laughs> and right. I'm just like, that's just what I'm going to go with. Well, that's we'll, we'll call you Stacky. We we do not shame here. Now, those <laughs> mellifluous tones that you heard are none other than a fact checker today. Chance Star Anderson. Um, I've got facts and they're ready to be checked. No, no, they have facts. Oh, sorry, they have, have facts. Um, well, actually, I do have the uh, script of Stacky's uh, yeah. debate, and I've already, I've already checked it. Uh, Stacky's full of good yeah. facts. All right, and going up against the Lion King with Sword and Stone today is none other than Shane Anderson. Hello, 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 back again. <laughs> now, Shane, are you feeling confident? Not really. Okay. All right. <laughs> we won't explore Aww. that any further. <laughs> We have. I've, I've heard. I've heard Stacy. I've heard Stacky debate, and I'm a, I'm a little nervous to say the least. Well, don't worry. I'm sure you will do justice. Now we've rolled a dice to determine who's going to go first, and Shane has decided to go second. Uh, so this is the fourth of our no, the seventh of our second round debates. Mm. So the format of this one is you each get a six minute opening argument. With a warning at five minutes, your warning will sound like this. Then you will take a little break. We'll come back with a cross-examination where I will ask questions depending on what points you've brought up and the veracity that I feel that you've put into them. Uh, and then we'll take another little break and then you'll get three-minute closing statements and then I will decide which is the better Disney film. Wonderful. Okay. So, without any further ado, Shane... Are you, are you ready? Are you, I'm ready. Do you I'm not need confident. Water? I'm, okay. I'm, I'm good. So Stacy will be starting. Yes. You have six minutes, and your time starts when you start talking. In 2016, The Lion King was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically or aesthetically significant. Anyone who has seen the film can see why. Despite being Disney's B project to Pocahontas, The Lion King transcended animation and became immersed in popular culture. The Lion King features some of the most iconic imagery in the entire Disney canon. The animation was particularly magical and on rewatching is still incredibly quality today. The work on the film is truly a love job as The Lion King was seen as a lesser project compared to Pocahontas, despite the fact that many of the animators were inexperienced as the more experienced animators prefer to work on the more intelligent project, the lead animators poured all they had into creating the characters which gives them a unique heart and warmth that leaps through the screen. There are many features that, though difficult, were added by the animators to increase the magic and visual spectacle, including zebras running through the dust. 
Circle of Life, the stunning opening sequence of the film is so incredibly strong, the entire scene on its own was used for the trailer. The sun rising, Rafiki holding up Simba on Pride Rock, the assembly of creatures bowing, Be Prepared's Lime Steam, Mufasa's face appearing in the clouds, and many more memorable and parodied moments are icons of the film. The glorious warm colour palette of the savannah, the lush green glow of the jungle, and the devastatingly grey of the savannah's device provide the base for a masterclass in visual storytelling. The Lion King is not only stunningly beautiful to watch, but has an incredibly important message and theme. A true coming-of-age story, The Lion King teaches us to rise up to our calling, to face our fears, and helps us to truly heal from the hurts in our past. The Lion King is also a powerful story about death and grieving. In a time where death was rarely mentioned in children's movies, let alone seen, The Lion King gave the children an opportunity to see and understand how to cope with the loss of a loved one, something that many children unfortunately have to experience. The Lion King does not shy away from strong emotions, which gives the movie an incredible depth and I believe it's one of the key reasons why audiences are still so touched by and have such a deep love for this movie. Furthermore, The Lion King uh, features an incredible father in Mufasa. He disciplines Simba with love and affection, not aggression and anger. He helps Simba learn the true meaning of bravery, not looking for danger but for caring for others and doing what is right even though you are afraid. He also helps Simba develop the understanding of the realities of life and helps Simba to cope with his inevitable death. These lessons continue with Rafiki and Simba's adulthood. The past can hurt, but the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. This lesson applies again and again in our our child and adult lives and weaves through the film seamlessly. The writing is particularly clever in The Lion King. The script had several revisions and the actors were able to bounce off each other to create organic dialogue. The result of this hard work resulted in an incredibly quotable and clever movie with a range of diverse and interesting characters and a whole heap of puns. Not to mention the talented and diverse voice cast, which included the talents of James L. Jones, Madge Sinclair, Whoopi Goldberg, Robert Guillemin, Rowan Atkinson, Matthew Broderick, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jeremy Irons and Nathan Lane. I would be remiss to discuss The Lion King without mentioning the iconic music. The songs by Elton John and Tim Rice have integrated themselves into our popular culture, including The Circle of Life, which features Swahili lyrics predominantly. Hans Zimmer's score is startlingly beautiful, and the integration of a traditional African music, assisted by South African producer Lee Boehm, is a respectful nod to the culture the movie is inspired by. The score and Can You Feel the Love Tonight were recognised officially by audiences and peers, winning an Academy Award, Golden Globes and Grammys. It is the only soundtrack for an animated film to be certified diamond, which is 10 times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Contrast this stunning representation of hand-drawn animation at its finest to the sword and the stone. The opening song and credits are beautifully stylized, a la Sleeping Beauty. In fact, animation is stolen from Sleeping Beauty in Sword and the Stone, but it isn't utilized as well, and the tone isn't consistent with the rest of the movie, nor the nature of the animation as it was in Sleeping Beauty. The animation is scratching, scratchy, unpolished, and dated. Animation is repurposed from other films several times, which is kind of usual for Disney, but unique to this film, animation is repeated several times, like Kay eating the leg of meat, one of the many deficits due to a small budget. The character of Arthur was played by three different boys and rather than using their voices logically to show an ageing child, the voices are randomly spliced together, sometimes all appearing in the same scene, which makes it difficult to invest in his character. Not only did they sound distinctly, distinctly different, but they were also distractingly American in a very English story and setting. And there are problems with Arthur's character itself. Most of his problems are his own doing and one can even sympathise with the villains, and I call them that at a stretch, who often rightly chastise him for his wrongdoing. He has no goals or direction and meanders through the film. It's hard to hope and cheer for a character when you don't know what you are hoping and cheering for. The story is lacking and focusing focuses more on side plots than anything of value to Arthur's development and story. There is no suspense, as we already know where the story is going, with Arthur pulling out the sword and the stone. The plot and the point is lacking. 
Merlin's You Gotta Learn Things is empty as it's never fully explained why. It tries to be a bunch of different films, coming of age, adventure, comedy, educational, but doesn't really nail any of them, feeling more like a Disney education film than a feature film. The film feels like it resolves far too early with a young wart on the crown, but absolutely no demonstration of how his educator assisted him in his new role as a leader. Walt Disney himself did not think much of the final result. These two movies are incomparable because it is clear by the legacy of The Lion King and its integration into popular culture that it is the superior film. Not only did the original release become the highest grossing motion, not just animated picture of 1994 worldwide, it is still the highest grossing hand-drawn animated film. The VHS release in 95 was a best-selling videotape of all time and in 2011 when it was released on Blu-ray, it topped the Blu-ray charts, demonstrating the long-term staying power and influence of the movie. Furthermore, the Broadway adaption of the movie has become one of the longest, most successful shows in Broadway history. Um, but finally, and most importantly, The Lion King was not afraid to go to dark and sad places, did not speak all down or preach to its audience, it's woven its way into the hearts of its audience in a way that created a legacy that still impacts audiences today. Well done. Woo! <laughs> oh, to the second. Um, <laughs> Chancellor, any, any facts that need to be, need to be checked? Look, uh, I want full disclosure mm-hmm. that I am a friend of Shane's, but All there right. will be no collusion here. I'm a I friend of no Stacey's. No collusion. <laughs> no collusion. <laughs> I do want to point out that uh, when I Google that uh, the uh, diamond status, uh, although it is correct, it was in an article discussing the fact that ABBA was originally meant to do the soundtrack but weren't available, so they correct. did Elton John. And I think it's really upsetting that you didn't bring that up. <laughs> I think I did in the last time this was debated. I think I brought that up. (laughs) Okay, all right. I will accept it. A very different movie. (laughs) It really would have. the soundtrack. And I kind of, yeah, I'm sad. I want to be in that alternate universe. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, no, everything else checked out. All right, wonderful. Okay, so Stacey's set the stage, or Stacky, I should say. Sorry. That's fine. It's fine. So, Shane, you will have six minutes for your opening statements with a warning at five. You'll be cut off very rudely by Darkwing Duck at six if you are not done by yourself. And your time starts when you start talking. The Sword in the Stone versus The Lion King. Has there ever been a formidable, more formidable opponent to be up against? But like David and Goliath, I shall prove that what The Lion King has in box office and clout, it is severely lacking in well-intentioned themes and well-rounded characters. And, dear listeners, I shall even prove that it has been responsible for propagating negative and harmful ideologies directly into the minds of children for generations. Meanwhile, The Sword in the Stone is an underseen but powerfully intelligent classic of the Disney canon that not only that's not only full of wonder in its own right, but also responsible for the very creation of many of the motifs and style choices that will go on to define Disney until this very day. The Sword in the Stone, made in 1963, was the keystone in building the Disney we know today. It was the first animated film to be directed by a sole directorial voice, where previously the canon was directed almost by committee. Wolfgang Reitherman corralled the then limited resources of Disney to codify what is known as Disney's Silver Age. The strengths of the film lie in the quaint Renaissance aesthetic painted with bright primary colours for the heroes and dull colours to represent the uneducated medieval mess of the world around them they seek to change. The strong music, the first of many instances of the pairing of Sherman and Sherman, who went on to create iconic songs for Mary Poppins, The Jungle Book, The Aristocats, and Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Thus, The Sword in the Stone is responsible for the creation of the definitive musical sound of Disney even today. But by far, the towering achievement of The Sword in the Stone is in how digestible it makes such an erudite and truly positive message. Brains is valued over brawn and proven in the end that knowledge is really the true power. It's also one of the most definitive Arthurian legend adaptations. It avoids grittiness and muscle-clad Arthurs brandishing swords in favour of a boy 
boy who isn't good at traditionally manly activities, who wants instead to become a learned man. It flies in the face of heteronormativity and seeks to dismantle traditional masculine stereotypes by showing that all the muscle and the violence in the world doesn't hold a candle to the true power of brains and, as Wart puts it so elegantly, just because you can't understand something doesn't mean it's wrong. The ability to convey such a complex and meaningful theme in such simple terms and to such young audiences is the true magic of the sword in the stone and to do so it uses all the cinematic resources at hand, the art direction, performance, colour power and magical music to top it all off. Now, The Lion King, considered a classic, but this veneer covers some insidious rumblings which I will now go into. We can talk about the visuals and the music and the performances, but by the time Disney got to The Lion King, it had already codified the Disney renaissance with Aladdin and The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. These features of The Lion King are not innovations and not unique to the film. They are the end product of a well-oiled machine who found its footing long before this movie, and ultimately The Lion King neither codifies nor defines that particular generation of Disney. Are these elements good? Yes. Are they the best in all of Disney? No. The best in the Disney Renaissance? Even that is easily debatable. I'm going to focus on the film's thematic and representational shortfalls, made evident in the most simplistic and binary ideas of good and evil. Hyenas are evil because they are evil. Scar, a character cruelly named after his disfigurement, is also just evil. And also, of the, brother, of the brothers, he's the lion with the darker fur. What are we trying to say here? In fact, Mufasa's whole regime doesn't make much sense. The Pride Lands are ruled by Mufasa and his family. Everything is good. Why is everything good? good under this regime? It just is. The cornerstone of Mufasa's rule is that scavengers are restricted to the geographic margins, the Shadowlands. Why? They just are. Then Scar, a member of the privileged class, usurps Mufasa's rule and improves the status of the marginalised hyenas. Now, there's no question Scar is a villain. He kills his brother, he tricks Simmer into exile, but the only actual change in governance under Scar is really the status of the hyenas, and yet suddenly drought consumes the land. And there's no explanation of the link between the scavengers' presence and the drought, other than to say that the circle of life has been disturbed. Then when Simba returns from exile to challenge Scar and banish the hyenas, the rains come back and the natural balance of things is restored. The overall message here is that unequal distributions of power and rights are acceptable and natural if they lead to economic prosperity and that members of the ruling class who upend this arrangement in favour of marginalised classes are motivated not by a sense of equity and justice but by selfish, inherently traitorous ambition. It essentially works as propaganda for any attempt to validate the inherent superiority of a ruling class. Included to this Africa's history with apartheid and Scar's inherent avatar for blackness and you have some very toxic ideology that doesn't stop there. Scar himself is known as one of Disney's queer-coded villains. A lisp, feminine masorisms and an extended vocabulary all point to this direction. And to give him a musical number with visuals taken wholesale from Lenny Reifenstahl's The Triumph of the Will is to equivocate those who are othered whether in fur colour or physical appearance or sexuality with fascism. Theme is so, so important it's what we carry from the film and it's what we keep drawing from upon repeat viewings and thus the most important aspect in The Sword and the Stones, inherently positive and affirming themes, are scores above the childish notions of good and evil laid out in The Lion King. All right. Done. Okay. <laughs> Oof. All right. Well, uh, so <laughs> any, any, any facts that need to be checked there? Um, um, have, have you brushed up on your capitalist propaganda manifesto? <laughs> um, Thankfully I have, and it all checks out. The only thing I wanted to say was that uh, it's not the first animated film, but it's the first animated feature film to have a spe- uh, uh, one director under Disney's... Right, thing. yes. Yeah. But they're, they're, that's the canon. The canon is, the, oh, is okay. their feature film. Ah, specifics. <laughs> All right, okay. So we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and I have some questions to ask. 
Okie dokie. So, Sword in the Stone versus The Lion King. Mm. Lots of information. You've both done really well in, prepar- in preparing <laughs> and timing yourselves perfectly. Um, I have one question for both of you. Mm. Uh, and they're, feel free to get into it a little bit. But, Stacey, you... You denied the effectiveness of Arthur as a character because you said that he just meanders. Yes. He doesn't have any direction. He isn't self-driven. Yes. Are you saying that Simba does not do the exact same thing? I think that Simba's, like, story arc is more defined. So he has a trauma. He runs away. He meets these people who are like, just forget about that. So he doesn't Can meander I say through. That yeah. He does what his dad says. Yeah. He does what Timon and Pumbaa says. Yes. He does what Nala says. Yes. At oh, so no you're talking point, about his own no agency. Point, yeah, does he really act on his own on, on his own will and agency? Well, who does act only Nala. on their own? Well, Nala yeah, does. well that's that's fair. But I think his story follows a narrative. You can see his journey and then you can see in the last act where all of that comes together and he makes his choice and stands up Can the same thing not be said about Arthur travelling the same path, learning from the other people around him and in the end it coming to the end of the At the end of the day, he just pulled the sword out of the stone just because he was incompetent. He didn't, he didn't go, I need to do this to show myself or I'm worthy of it now or I know what I'm doing. He just happened to do it. Simba had to go back, he, he had to make the choice and he had to stand up to... I was do you want to clarify yeah. Arthur's does, intention? Because Arthur's intent, because he, he, that would be true if he just pulled the sword out the first time and then he got declared king, but there's the whole affair of going back in and proving oh, that true. he did pull it out. Yeah. 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 So he does have that moment of the choice yeah. because, and it's brought on because they're like, we don't believe that you did it. And so he actually stands up against his boy. So in this yeah. situation, I would say that Simba and Arthur are actually very similar characters. I would say it's interesting. Isn't yeah, it? I would say they do have similarity. I think I got... Um, Watching it, I kept getting fed up with... I mean, I get, did get fed up with Simba too, let's be honest. <laughs> yes, honestly. He's an absolute <laughs> idiot. Um, but I think... Nala's the real hero of the story. Oh, Nala is the best. Yeah. She is great and she's not given enough credit. But I think it it seemed... His his decisions and the, and the, the story arc made more sense for where the film was going. Mm-hmm. For Sword in the Stone... It was kind of like, well, he's a kid. Look, I get it. He's a kid. But then he ends up on the throne and it's kind of like, he's just like, hey, what happens? And it's not, n- never ever explained. You don't see what happens afterwards. In, and you don't see, so, you know, in The Lion King, at least we get the resolution. We, get, we see the Pride Rock being restored. We see people happy and, and, and fed again. Mm-hmm. And we see, you know, his future child. And then we go, okay, the cycle's going to continue. Okay. Um, but we don't get that resolution with with Arthur or with Wart's character. We see him just kind of stumble around, but we don't really... He gets to the throne, but we don't really get the resolution of what that actually means once it becomes important. Okay. Uh, And do you think that that is just not Disney playing into the audience's knowledge of the Arthurian legend? Because this is really the untold story of Arthur. But at the end of the day, if you have to rely on, on your audience knowing the text to understand a film and get everything from the film, then you're not doing the film justice. So you should, you should I, I mean, before we were saying about how this is the definitive, definitive Arthur adaption, but it doesn't actually stick to the actual adaption and the actual legend of the story. There's so much more. This is just him meandering around being a fish in a bird. Okay. Um, so we don't, I've lost track of what the question is. I feel like I've answered <laughs> it and I'm doing my usually thing where That's I just fine. repeat my answer. You can stop talking. Um, but I'm going to stop now. I'm not going to write down anything more. 
I've written down all I'm going to write down Wonderful. You from do your that. answer. Good. Shane. Yes. You've drawn some pretty long bows here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in your criticisms of the themes of the Lion King. Um, while I'm not saying that they're totally unfounded, I would like you to talk specifically to Scar. You said that he's an avatar for blackness. Even though Mufasa, the nominal hero, is played, is voice acted by James L. Jones, an African-American man, and Scar is voice acted by Jeremy Irons, a Caucasian man. Um, just because he has a black Main is that what the avatar of blackness that you're talking about is? Can you talk a little bit about how Scar is represented as an avatar of blackness? Sure thing. When you're a child, you have no idea who the hell James L. Jones and Jeremy Irons are. Uh, if you're an adult, absolutely. But these movies, their primary demographic is children. So when you're a child, you're seeing, oh, here's the blonde lion and here's the brown lion. And that's what you're looking at, and it's the evil one. So, or the, the redhead and the, the black. The red, sure. the, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, yes. Ginger representation. <laughs> it does make sense, but like uh, Simba, who is seen as the successor to Mufasa, is mm-hmm. also voiced by a white gentle white actor. I Correct. believe. Correct. Yep. Um, and the you know, uh, Stacey brought up about how like the 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 race of the. Um, voice actors is more diverse, but like you got Whoopi Goldberg, who's a, a laughing hyena, who's also a villain, and James Earl Jones dies. So I don't know how that. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to bring that point in there <laughs> to relate it, but like I mean, that's basically what I said: is when you're a child, you're not seeing. Oh, and you're not intellectualizing James in the same way that you can't rely on an audience to understand the text. How is so? How is that different? In how is that racial when the same thing happens in a text like Star Wars, where Darth Vader is wearing all black? And black is just not the color coding for villain, rather than African American. I'm those those two are like as far back as as much film history as I know. That's been the case. It's like the problematic aspect of villains being painted as black, black being bad, black being dirty, black being the wrong thing. Like, okay. It's, it, and Lion King isn't responsible for creating this archetype. Of course, not at all, absolutely not. But it's part of the problem. My follow up question is the capitalism relating to the circle of life. Now, I'm 100% understand where you're coming from. However, can you say definitively that if you take lions out off the top of the food chain, that the ecosystem of the savannah would not suffer? The ecosystem in the savannah suffers because of a drought, because of an act of quote-unquote God that happens when we usurp the 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 ruling class so the, the, the savannah doesn't fall apart because lions are gone because lions are still in there you've still got predator type um uh, creatures with scar being at the top lions are still at the top under this new rule there's also just the scavengers so but the scavengers are given run of the pride lands which drives away all the herds but that shouldn't cause a drought well i think <laughs> you'll find that you're incorrect but i won't mark that down against you because um, there's a whole rain, like the rain that comes in when yes, absolutely takes the over. rain. Uh, the rain is a metaphor, of course, because everything just suddenly becomes green and sunny it's again. So very Shakespearean. Uh, at night One time. might say it was visual <coughs> storytelling. One might say that. In fact, I believe you have said that. Uh, so uh, okay, so that's all I had. You you kept it pretty pretty on on the button this this debate. So we'll take another break and we'll come back with your closing statements. Okay. 
All righty then. Closing statements. So as per the running order, Stacky Hobbs, you'll be going first with your closing statements in The Lion King versus Sword in the Stone. Are you ready? Look, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. You will have... So let's give it a whirl. (laughs) You'll have three minutes with no warning. You will just be cut off at three. So your time starts when you start talking. The Lion King is prevalent in our popular culture still to this day. The number of cats damaged by this movie by being held over heads... (laughs) That's uncountable, uncountable. <laughs> this movie is quotable, it's singable, and it's gotten to so many hearts um, of people. And I think it's because it doesn't pull its punches. It gets right down to the dark, gritty stuff because life is, the real world is ugly. The real world is bad. The real world has murder and death and all sorts of grittiness to it. And The Lion King, look, it's based on animals in a savannah. It's going to take that raw, gritty, real-life stuff and it's going to make meaning of it, which for children, that's what they need. They need to make meaning of these real, gritty, awful lives. And The Lion King does that. It has this beautiful allegory of this beautiful circle of life that everything has meaning and that if you stray from that or, or something is taken from that, that it has an impact. It has an impact on people. It has an impact on ecosystems. It has an impact on future generations that we can make a powerful difference by standing up, by taking responsibility and by making brave choices, by giving people the right advice, by uh, returning back to those past hurts, even if it backfires on you and people don't believe you. You need to do the right thing. And The Lion King does such a wonderful job of doing this. Where um, I just believe The Sword and the Stone falls down. I, I really had great hopes for this film. I think it could be a beautiful film. I think it does lovely things, but it doesn't really do it to the full extent that it should. It's not a definitive um, re- adaption of the Arthur legend. It doesn't have enough of that legend at all in it. Um, and it um, really, though it tries to be educational, doesn't do it in a memorable way. The film is not as memorable as The Lion King and not as pervasive. Um, the characters in Lion King are interesting and diverse and um, and have a story. I mean, we know we argued Scar just evil for evil's sake, but we do learn in the movie about him being bitter for being overturned, that he was being replaced, that he, he wants that back. Um, and we can see the results of those actions and the results of that power for power's sake and the impact that it had on other people. The Lion King does storytelling so many favours. It is um, still used today, it's still impactful today. My kids still quote this movie and still talk about this movie today because it is, um, it's really touched people. And I think that that's something really special. While The Sword and the Stone is a sweet movie, I don't think it touches people the way that The Lion King does. Um, and it's not as beautiful, it doesn't sound as good, it doesn't, um, it doesn't tell the story as well as it could. And I just think The Lion King is superior in any, every way. All right, fair enough. Once again, time to the minute, or to the second, I should say. (laughs) Shane, you'll have three minutes to make your closing statement. Uh, Your time starts when you start talking. What is a movie's worth? Is it how much money it makes? Because if that's the case, the 
live action remake of The Lion King is technically supposed to be a better movie than the original because it has made more money in less time. Is it how popular a movie is or is it the staying power and the ideas it imparts on your brain long after those final credits have rolled? I'm going with the latter. The Sword in the Stone is an imperfect movie made on limited resources when Disney was not at the height of its powers and yet in this case the necessity breeds ingenuity. What they crafted was a vehicle for big, bold ideas coming off post-World War II to suggest that men don't have to be all muscle was daring then and is still unfortunately a daring and necessary message today. Not only that, but the Sword in the Stone was able to corral these limited resources into a style and a singular voice that went on to define its particular era of the Disney canon and influence every other Disney film to come after, expanding out not only just to the animated canon but even to the live-action canon today. Meanwhile, The Lion King rehashes tired old white hat, black hat, or in this case, white fur, black fur notions of villainy and pro-establishment ideology that neither has a place in 2019 nor indeed in 1994. It is, in the very sense, an earworm designed to catch on and wriggle into your brain, deploying its simplistic and damaging view of the world onto the viewers. That it made so much money is not a positive thing. It's just a sign of how pervasive its toxic, pseudo-racist, subtextually homophobic ideology actually is. Did it instigate any of these things? No. But it is certainly part of the problem. Added to this, any technical, budgetary and artistic claims to fame the film has are not the product of innovation, but rather standing on the heads and shoulders of the better Disney movies that came before it. Using their invention, their creativity and their artistry to make a film that is the epitome of studio product. Packaged, labelled and marketed as lifeless as a machine and inside the contents present a very real and tangible danger to our understanding of the world. To quote Arthur one last time in a lesson Mufasa and later Simba could learn a thing or two from when talking about Scar just because you don't understand something it doesn't mean it's wrong okay wonderful congratulations to you both <laughs> thank you very passionate debates oh. uh, so I feel ill after that <laughs> live action if you were here in the studio you would have seen me vomiting over over my um, chair uh, so I'm going to take some time and decipher my my plethora of notes so if you could take this time to tell each other what you like about the other person's film just for a little while until i figure out what i'm going to do right i mean this is hard this is hard because the lion king is like what you hit on the money is just how ingrained it is in yeah. the culture everywhere i like i remember watching it i was re-watching i'm like oh, i know this i know this clip but you just it's there it's like you knew. I remember dying to see it on the cinemas when mm. it came out, and I was only three, so I was only just beginning to create <laughs> memories in yeah, my head. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to see that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I mean, it, it is a stone cold classic. Like, can you? F- they started playing. Can you feel the love tonight on the radio yeah. at work because yeah. of the remake come out? Yeah. And all I can, I'm like, I sing it along because you just, it's it's there. You the know soundtrack. It. I remember owning that soundtrack and I listened yep. to it so many yep. times as yep. a kid. And doing um, the really bad impression of the. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> so good so good and that, yeah um i i was excited to do this one because i have really fond memories of sword in the stone uh, i haven't watched it since i was a kid uh and i i did quite enjoy watching it again actually and uh the fish strangely the fish and when he was a sparrow there were the two and the squirrel i remembered when all the animals yeah. i'm like oh yeah he turns into all these different animals and yeah um 
Yeah, it was good fun watching that again. Yeah, um, there's a lot of nostalgia to it because that was a movie. I love like Wizards and stuff growing up. Yeah, so that was like yeah. one of my number one Disney movies. Yeah. And I just watch it on, I have a VHS of it and I would just watch it over and, yeah. over and over and over and over and over and over again. I like, I put it on to rewatch for the debates and I was like quoting it alongside the movie. <laughs> and I hadn't actually seen it in a good and just how, like, 15, 20 years. Beautifully bitter. Merlin is. It's yes. Just, he is a mood. He is really, 2019 right? as a mood. And the animator's like, let's just make this uh, wizard like Walt Disney himself. And I loved reading that. that I Because then I could just see Walt just be like, modern technology. And, and I was like, oh, my God. One so. big medieval mess. <laughs> it's just. Alakazam. Yeah, it was just, it's fun. It's fun. Um, and I enjoyed returning to my childhood enjoyment. Uh, I love Madame Mim. Madame Mim, I didn't bring. I, she's I was like, that's like kicking a myself that I didn't bring her. Stealing character because she's only in it like the last ten I minutes know. of the movie, and she steals. The and I was gonna say, movie. I'm like, if there was more Mim, I would have liked the movie a yeah. lot better because she's just so interesting. Well, let's and make a live action remake where Mim is the main <laughs> character. They just are. Maleficent. This. They're already in live action <laughs> remaking it. Just oh. FYI. Um, <laughs> but I love that, and her as a character, she's someone who chooses to be ugly. She could be beautiful, and she's like, "Nah, screw you like, all. I'm hideous look, because I know that messes you about." I love, I love a villain with a backstory, but I also love villains like same as Maleficent. She's like, "You didn't invite me to this party. Curses on you!" <laughs> like Mim is just like, "Oh, what? Petty. You think he's the strongest? No, I'm the best." And then she's just like Le- whipping out magic. I just levels just- of petty we all aspire to. <laughs> she's brilliant. I love that. I okay. love that. I've made my decision. Oh. Okay, so when you're talking about The Lion King, yes. Shane, you, you did say that it is it is the kind of the end point of that era of Disney. They've worked their way, they've perfected all of this, and it is just kind of the end result of them working out this process to make a great film. Yep. You yourself have said that it's iconic. You yourself said that it has an amazing cast. <laughs> After, you gave on the you thing gave that you count. Yeah, no, no, you gave a lot of things away to the Lion King and to be fair, it's very hard to argue against something that is as culturally pervasive as The Lion King mm. is. Um, so, but when you're talking about the music, I think your argument that Sherman and Sherman um, were a defining characteristic in this film that went on to influence other Disney films, that was a really good point. Mm. Um, bringing up Bedknobs and Broomsticks and Mary Poppins, among others, that is a really strong point for... Uh, Sword in the Stone because Sherman and Sherman were such uh, an influential thing and I think they get lost in the discussion of Disney a little bit as well when it comes to the ideology of the two films it's very hard to play them against each other because either in The Lion King is like the past you can either run from it or you can learn from it Mm. and in Sword in the Stone it is uh, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's wrong both very timeless messages and I can't pick one over the other. And they're and I quite think that, um, different from the Disney messages which is usually you, sh- yeah. you can do what you want and like mm. dream big and, yes. and yeah, which yeah. is kind of cool for both films. So I think again they're kind of at a bit of a, a standstill when it comes to ideology. I'm not going to give you the capitalism because um, <laughs> uh, the capitalism That's argument. all I had. <laughs> ju- just because I think that you're it's, it's a correlation not a cause thing I think <laughs> I, I think the, the the Lion King is is depicting some natural processes that uh, are correlated in maybe some societal processes rather than the other way around um, so when it comes down to it 
unfortunately, uh, I think The Sword in the Stone only suffered because of its smaller budget. I think uh, Disney was in a much different place when it made The Sword in the Stone than when it made The Lion King, and that mm. is what causes this big imbalance. So even accounting for that, unfortunately, Shane, you said yourself that it's an imperfect movie, and I can't disagree. Um, the spliced voice acting for me is the biggest point against it. It is very jarring and confusing. The animation you can get away with because it is a stylistic choice if necessary. Yeah. Um, and when compared to The Lion King, they did a lot of innovation where, with animating the animals that hadn't been done before. Mm. So I think in this case, The Lion King is the better Disney film. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm not going to lie, I was very nervous when I knew I was going up against Shane. Um, I did a lot of prep because I've heard Shane debate and he <laughs> did. I, I was nodding along for the last debate when yeah. I was listening to it. So um, a worthy, a worthy. I mean, Mufasa is uh, a big brother. So I think we should all uh, hope that he, he dies tragically in a, in a, in a gorge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did enjoy that you tried to bring the live action and I discounted that entirely oh. um, just because... The point was about money. That'll be, that'll be a different that'll be a different debate in a few years' time, I think. Uh, so thank, <laughs> thank you again, Shane. Uh, thank you for uh, For me. fighting so valiantly for Sword in the Stone. Thank you, John Star, for oh. uh, fact-checking us all the way to the end. Googling is a pleasure. <laughs> I've often heard that. And, <laughs> and, and thank you and congratulations, Stacey. Um, we'll see you in the next round to defend Lion King again. Woohoo! Uh, so we are Disney vs. Disney Debates. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram. And give us a rating and a review wherever you find us. Uh, we will keep putting up the, the social media polls. So I would be interested to see what happens in this one. Um, Lion King is was a big favourite last time. But the Sword in the Stone also uh, outperformed what I thought it would. Mm. So yeah, let us know. Find it out on Facebook. And until next week... Keep watching Disney, everyone. What should I listen to now? We are Castology. This is our podcast about podcasts. We are your castologists, Patrick Shearer, Liz Best, and Zancy Weber. Each week, we'll bring you three of the best and sometimes not so best podcasts around. We'll also do the hard work and trawl the RSS feeds to find the newest podcast that should be on your radar. And then next week, we come back and tell you what we thought of the recommendations and bring three new sparkling podcasts to check out. Now, will we always agree with each other's picks? Probably not. But hey, you're clever. You know that's how reviews work. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcatcher of your choice. That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open. With tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A6 Saloon, with PCP finance from only €499 per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. 
Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung durch Technik. Terms and conditions apply. At Irish Life Health, we reward you for embracing a healthier lifestyle. With our benefit plan, you can get up to 250 euro back on things like fitness wearables, gym membership, or sports club membership, like your local GAA club. Search Irish Life Health. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life Health. Irish Life Health Act is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Call us to see exactly what's covered.